You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. Welcome back to the show. Today's guests are Switchfoot band members Tim Foreman and Chad Butler. Switchfoot started out as a Led Zeppelin cover band in junior high, believe it or not. There's a little known fact for you. There are five bandmates in total, three of whom grew up surfing in North County, San Diego. I grew up 70 miles north in Orange County, so I always had this peripheral awareness of Switchfoot and only kind of one or two degrees of separation. A friend knows the band or that sort of thing. And then as they became well-known, they'd be featured in the surf magazines that I would read, or Rob Machado would join them on stage at some huge venue in Japan or something like that. Some of their music made its way into surf videos. The year after I graduated high school, they released this huge hit. It was featured in the Nicholas Sparks novel that was adapted to a film called A Walk to Remember. The band has been touring for 20 years straight. They won a Grammy for their album Hello Hurricane, and the founding members and childhood friends John and Tim Foreman, along with Chad Butler, have all still remained active surfers throughout their lives. There's a really good documentary on Amazon that follows them for one year on tour as they try to squeeze in surf sessions along the way. They go to Australia, South Africa, Bali, and then they link up with Tom Curran in New Zealand. I've never been to New Zealand, and pretty much if Switchfoot asked me to go to New Zealand, it's a pretty easy decision. There's a portion of the trip where Tom wasn't there, and the waves kind of turned on, and it was really fun. When Tom was there, it was more of kind of an exploratory trip, looking for kind of waves that were a little harder to get to. Um, the, the whole country is amazing. Whether it's flat, whether there's surf, uh, there's so much to see and explore. As a goofy footer, you know, you've just got left after left after left after left. Being able to hang out with these guys and play music, I think, is is actually as big a priority to come on a trip like this. That's like a childhood dream, going on a surf trip with Tom Curran, but then to, uh, to play music and to um, you know, have this friendship with uh, one of our surf heroes that you know, we grew up with his poster on our wall. So it's, it's, it's very surreal. That film is called Fading West, and the current footage alone is worth watching. I've posted a little preview of it on uh, surfsplendorpodcast.com. 
Switchfoot's 11th album will be released this week on January 18th, and they'll be touring it through the year. You can find links to all of that stuff, again, on our website, surfsplendorpodcast.com. In my conversation with Tim Foreman and Chad Butler, I do a horrible job of setting them up so that you can identify who is who by their voice. So just for the record, Tim's voice is more surfy, although possibly less so than mine, whereas Chad's is just more matter-of-fact, less of kind of a Southern California accent. So just a precursor. Here's Tim. If you live in Southern California and you surf, you know it doesn't get this good that often. And here's Chad. Well, as a fan of the Pipe Masters, had the conditions been subpar and he had won, I think there'd be a lot more haters. Tim will be the main voice through the first minute or two, and then Chad's voice is the second voice that enters the conversation. So I hope that helps. All right? My name is David Scales. I hope that you enjoy my conversation with Tim Foreman and Chad Butler of Switchfoot. I'll be back at the end of the show to sign us off. Thanks. Did we pick the worst day of the year to record this conversation (laughs) based on surf? If you noticed, we pushed the time back from 11 to 11.30. I was like, oh. I think someday they're going to refer to this as Big Tuesday. (laughs) (laughs) Very well might. Uh, You know, if if you live in Southern California and you surf, you know it doesn't get this good that often. Yeah. Good winds. Great swell. It's been a couple years. Yeah. I pushed it off. So... I figured that's probably why you guys were rescheduling or, or pushing the time anyway. Um, I foolishly scheduled a recording with Scott Bass. If you oh, know cool. Scott Bass, yeah, yeah this yeah. morning. We do like a news recap show and mm-hmm. we wanted to do like a post Pipe Masters. Right, yeah. So it's like he got out at sunrise. I'm driving from Orange County, so I was driving while he was surfing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to try to get out after this, though. Yeah, get Go it. for it. Uh, by the way, Scott said he saw you get a sick barrel the other day. Oh, nice. Thanks, Scott. Did you know? <laughs> did he say anything to you? Or I, I, No, he didn't. Oh, okay. Do you know what wave I'm talking about? You know, so many sick barrels. It's hard to tell. <laughs> no, I know exactly which one he's talking about. Did you yeah. get any accolade for it? I mean, a hoot's all you need. Uh, yeah. you well, know, well you, did anybody see it is what I mean. I heard a few hoots. Okay, good. So, yeah. good, good, good. That's, that's the, a that's barrel the best compliment. fall in the forest if no one sees it. <laughs> yeah. It's only half as cool if it yeah. does. It's yeah. so much better if there's a buddy on the shoulder. Totally. Uh, but then if there's a camera that saw it, then it immediately shrinks the barrel in half. Yeah. And that's you're like, oh, that's, that must be a different one. Yeah, you really don't smaller. want that camera. Yeah. The worst possible scenario is the Surfline Rewind cam. Right. I'm oh. seeing so many people post footage of that, yeah. and it's like the camera always does shrink it, like you said, uh-huh. but that angle, that angle and is the grayness, very humbling. Yeah, it's like almost nothing can look cool. Yeah. You know if it looks good on the, on the Rewind cam that it's a bomb. Right. Um, what did you guys think of Pipe yesterday? Did you actually get a that chance? That was a great event. It? Yeah. That was Super fun. Yesterday and the day before, um, really good conditions. Gabriel was on fire. Yeah. And, um, you know, it was cool to see Kelly make the, the semis. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Good event. Mm-hmm. Do you, are you a Gabe fan? Uh, you know what? Yeah. And I think it's, that's, that's like maybe unpopular to say. I don't know. Um, but I am because I think, uh, I think there's way too many haters out there. And I think that's a complicated issue. Like, I don't know what all is tangled up in that. I know that there's like a cultural issue of like claiming things versus yeah. not. Um, but like traveling around the world, you see 
that people come from different headspaces, different perspectives. It's hard to judge from outside of that. And um, I think he's certainly like fought his way to the top of of the surfing world from you know not as easy a spot as someone who grew up in Orange County with everything handed to them. And so I definitely respect that. And I think he's uh, he's one of the guys to beat. Yeah. Well, as a fan of the Pipe Masters, had the conditions been subpar and he had won, I think there'd be a lot more haters. Totally. But it was proper, and he really earned that. He's he's kind of he kind of has his own approach to it. He does that unique kind of like two hand stall at the very bottom, right under the lip, that better than anyone right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, you got to hand it to him. And then that backdoor 10 that he got, yeah, he really went after that. You know, it looked like more of a pipe wave to me. Yeah. And, um, and he chased that down. Well, he was paddling out from a pipe wave. Yeah. And so, yeah, he was at, he was kind of climbing up the left side of it mm-hmm. or what would have been a left. And I felt the same way. I'm like, Oh, he's going to spin and go left. And then I'm like, there's no way he's going super deep, right. super deep. And like, paddling up the face and transitioning that into a takeoff yeah, yeah. I, that was the best goofy footed wave I've ever seen surfed a backdoor yeah. like bar none I agree I was blown away yeah it was incredible but it's interesting what you're saying about um, why is there so much hatred towards Gabe internet hatred right yeah and I don't think it's racism and I hate to kind of say racism when it's actually not racism you uh-huh. know and like painting everything with a racist brush but i think it's more what you're saying where it's like a cultural misunderstanding yes of like i don't know um I american mean, mainly we've toured brazil uh beautiful people i love the country um would love to go back and it's very different than than it is here in the states yeah and um and you need to appreciate that it's you know like they're very outgoing people they're um they really celebrate each other and it's full of life and and it's exciting down there and uh, you know it's just different than it is up here right um and i think people maybe get turned off by how exuberant the fan base is mm-hmm. um but you know i think it's it's great that he's got that support from his his home country and i kind of wish that we had that kind of exuberance for you know the, the surfers that we support up here there's nothing wrong with that in my opinion i agree there's not a lot of it for yeah. american like pride but yeah th- there is some interesting similarity i remember when we were on tour in brazil for the first time and we were just about to go on stage and the whole crowd inside the venue is singing and they're waving flags and it's like a soccer game like a football game you know they're yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. and and we haven't even gone on stage yet the concert hasn't even started yet and the entire place is just freaking out yeah but they're they're more enthusiastic than the crowds here they're they're just there um enjoying being together you know thousands of people just singing because they just love to be in the middle of a concert having a good time and i see that on the beach you saw it yesterday at pipe and it was insane they're they're yelling and screaming and, and you know waving flags all day long regardless of uh what's actually happening in the water right. they're just so psyched that this is the day yeah you know? pipe masters they know that there's potential for medina to win and they're just in all yeah. day long i love it 
it's easy to be critical of it as if you're be like oh they're ostentatious and i'm not i'm not that way but i'm actually envious of it like i don't actually feel that passionately about anything in my life like the greatest things have happened to me in my life and i'm like yeah that was pretty cool yeah you know i just don't have that level of enthusiasm but i'm jealous of it yeah like i would love to live on those highs yeah i know we're so apathetic sometimes yeah i was gonna ask it might have been your brother though who is coached by uh Soccer coached by Rob Machado, yeah, were you yeah. as well? Or? Yep. No, just John. He's just yeah. your brother. Okay, so I yep. can't ask you how he was as a soccer coach. Right. Bum. He's a good soccer player, though. I've seen I know. Him. Yeah, he's, I mean, like that's a surprise. He's so athletic. Rob's probably good at any sport he picks up. I feel like it might have even been mentioned in an old Taylor Steele film. Yeah, there's like that he could have been a pro soccer player. Yeah, and there's that clip of him uh, tripping that guy. Right. That's right. We, that's what we used is. to watch that and laugh. Um, Kind of one thing that I want to talk about or at length throughout this conversation is um, morality. Um, You guys, it seems like everything I've seen about you guys and everything I've read, certainly, and even heard directly from you, you you seem to have a really strong sense of kind of a moral code and also what appears to be like an unwavering moral code. Um, With any type of celebrity, whether it's musician or otherwise, there's an inevitable disaster in the person's storyline, some falling out that they have in their personal life or drug addiction or just something. And you guys seem to maintain not only a wholesome persona, but also just like an optimistic outlook on life and on. um... So I'm just curious, kind of actually let's start the conversation with your parents. Mm -hmm. Who are your parents who raised these people in the band? Yeah, um, I, I've got parents that I like. I'm not, um, a, you know, one of those kids that grew up hating my parents. I have a lot of respect for them. My dad got us out in the water surfing when we were young, and he never said no when we wanted to go surfing. He was always out there with us. Um, so I think, you know, having parents that spent time with us and that encouraged us in our pursuits and didn't shrink us, you know, um, that was that was a big deal to me for sure. Who? What do they do for work? Uh, my dad's actually a pastor. He is okay. Yep. And my mom was an art teacher and uh, an artist. And there's always instruments in the house, so we grew up with a lot of music. The ocean was really important to us all growing up, and um, so I think you know we naturally were kind of, I guess, shown some really positive outlet you know uh, that kept us out of trouble you know surfing skating music yeah growing up but even those outlets are oftentimes the downfall for other people like surf culture isn't immune yeah. mm-hmm. to drugs and alcohol and sure. whatever else yeah. you know um were you and your brother are obviously founding members of the fan of the band mm-hmm. were you as well yeah in it from day is. one mm-hmm. all three of you guys were yeah. in it from day one how much do you think um san diego is kind of a part of that storyline too, not only founding the band, but in terms of that morality. Well, I do think we are who we are because of San Diego. You know, I, I think it's allowed us to be uniquely outside of the music business of mm. LA or New York and sort of those influences or that kind of sort of competitive music business culture. Um, San Diego is its own thing. It's more laid back and obviously North County yeah, more so than anywhere else. And, and and yet it's um, also very inclusive. San Diego music culture when we were growing up was very diverse and very supportive of, of other musical genres, of other styles, of other 
walks of life. It, you'd walk into a show, you know, whether you're at Soma or the Casbah, and you'd see bands helping each other load in their gear and, and cheering each other on and, and, and sort of a mix of styles. You know, you'd have a punk band playing with sort of a, you know, folk band and hip-hop band all in the same lineup, you know. And, and I, I think that's beautiful, and it is unique. We've realized that the more we travel, yeah. the more we go to other places, especially big metropolis cities with, with a big music scene, we realize how inclusive and supportive San Diego was. And I think that really helped us. You know, we say music kept us out of a lot of trouble and being around people that were very positive and, and supporting each other to pursue their, their passion for music. That was, I think, a, a, a big secret to our success. And I think there was a, I think you're right in the, um, the inclusiveness of San Diego. It's, it's different than LA or New York where it feels like you're given a lot of freedom to, in fact, you're respected if you, um, if you kind of like choose your own path, you know, uh, people respect that. And so, you know, I never had any judgment for, for people who chose different outlets. Um, but being near drugs and alcohol and things that felt destructive to me, they never f- made me feel good. Um, and so I think choosing a different path and being the first one out in the lineup in the morning, um, when everyone else is sleeping it off, that felt better to me. And people respected that. I think San Diego is a place where, you know, you, you could make a kind of a, a, a stance for like, well, this is where I am and I respect where you are and people respect that. Yeah, I was going to ask actually how you feel surfing, the role that surfing played in keeping you guys grounded. Um, well, I think the motivation to, like you said, to, to be up early and, yeah. and in the water, especially in high school, I remember that that feeling of knowing that you're going to miss out. If you stay out partying with your friends, you're going to miss out on the best session in the morning. Right. You know, sort of that, that motivation and, and sort of planning your day and, and planning your week, you know, knowing there's a swell coming. Oh, I'm going to get my homework done, you know, early right. to make sure I can have that morning off. Yeah. It feels like what I've read and seen about Native Tongue, the new album, is almost um, in resistance to trends in the culture that we're seeing now that are kind of real negative or pessimistic outlook and all like the just there's negative rhetoric in the news every single day and a lot of other um genres of music kind of support that and it's a lot of just celebrating of um less moral lifestyle you know and that sort of thing is that true is native tongue is that where that comes from well i think you know you mentioned the negativity um you open twitter or anything we were talking about gabby medina earlier yeah. where it's there's we're so easy quick to judge um in our society today and we're so eager to tear things down and it's so easy to do it you know um, move your thumb six times on your phone and you've just you know, torn someone down, but you never really had to look them in the eye and say it. Um, so it's easier than ever, and I feel like that's kind of the world that we're swimming in. And the goal of this album, one of the goals, uh, is to kind of rediscover that love is our native tongue. That's the first language we learn. Um, whether you had a good upbringing or not, you know, you had someone who changed your diaper, who fed you. Um, and so that's, a, that's the very first language that you've been handed. And to kind of recapture that, um, 
it's it's kind of a in my opinion a really powerful concept yeah it's using the gabriel medina thing or the pipe just surfing maybe as a as a comparison it is easier to be critical you know like yeah I don't want to celebrate Gabe's win, really. I mean, he did win me over. I became a fan yesterday watching it. But it is um, easier to be critical and yeah. to find flaws. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering it, how much of that is a reflection of just kind of our modern culture, the time that we're living in. I mm -hmm. wonder if my dad felt the same way when he was growing up, when he read the newspaper, that he mm -hmm. wanted to be equally critical. Right. Or if it's just because there's a disconnect with the screen in front of you. And it's not a human interface. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that just the sheer magnitude of how much, uh, the magnitude of the onslaught, right? Right. The, from the screen, it's coming at you, you know, 24 7. Yeah. Um, whereas I feel like, even, you know, when I was a kid, when I was a kid, <laughs> um, you know, you, you read the newspaper and then you put it down and you rode your bike and skateboarded yeah. and surfed and you know you, you it wasn't this constant onslaught of information and communication right um, so yeah it's different you guys took a hiatus last year yeah what'd you do with the time man uh yeah we've been off the road for over a year and and just home focusing on our personal lives our family lives you know we're all married we've got kids and just wanted to soak that up for a season and sort of put the band on hold and it was really good, you know. I think um, it's easy for a band to be on a treadmill of record an album, tour, record, tour, and uh, you know I think we've struggled with that at times, trying to find that work-life balance. Yeah. And now that we're a little older, maybe a little more perspective and and not chasing career in that same frenzied way that you you sometimes do when you're younger and you. You know, you're passionate about what you do. You love it, and 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 trying to find that balance. You know, it's an ongoing um, journey. You yeah, know, for each of us. But it was it was a really good year. So what'd you do with the time? <laughs> okay, <laughs> I did surf a little more than I have in good. the last few years. Good so for you. Definitely put some more hours in the ocean, which was great, and and a lot of that with my kids. Good. I was going to say, you would think vacation would be the answer for anybody who takes time off work, but you guys are traveling so much for work. Right. Vacation's probably the last thing you want to do. Yeah, well, you know, I st actually, I still really love traveling. Um, I think the more, the longer we've been a band and the more we've gotten to travel, it only feeds that hunger in me. Yeah. Um, being away from your family is the downside of that. Um, right. But I, I haven't lost that that feeling of wonder and wanting to, to see the world. Um, but yeah, I got, got out in the water quite a bit this last year. Um, and like Chad said, our, our kids are getting to the age where they're starting to surf. So it's been, it's been a great time to be home for that. It also feels like a year isn't that long and I don't even think it was a full year probably. Um, especially if when you return, you have an album pretty much ready to go it feels like that's only enough time to make an album, really, you know? Or did you actually get proper downtime? Yeah, you know, the album kind of um, kind of found us. You okay. know, it was, it was a pretty neat way to rediscover what we love about music. And I think it's super healthy, no matter what you do, to kind of ask that question of why do I do what I do? And to just make sure that you're in it for the right reasons. And that can that can happen no matter... 
you know, whether you're laying bricks or actually, you know, playing music, anything can become routine if you let it, right? Sure. And so to step aside from that, outside of that, like Chad said, the hamster wheel and to kind of, um, it kind of found us, you know, this album found us in a really organic way where we realized that the music, whether it's a job or not, it's going to be a part of our lives forever. And Mm -hmm. um, so we found ourselves drawn to the studio um, for no reason other than we love it. Mm. Writing songs because it feels like such a gift uh, to get to do that. And uh, so it's kind of a great way to enter into an album. You know, we didn't even think we were making an album. We just felt like we were writing songs uh, because we had to, because we, we wanted to. And and then, you know, at some point we kind of looked at each other and we were like, hey, is this a Switchfoot album? Are we making an album? You know, <laughs> and it felt like it, a lot of it was already done, but it was all pure joy. Mm. Is it the first hiatus you've had in 20 years? Yeah. Yeah. Because we did, we took we took a full year off of the road, okay, which is something we've never done. I think up until this point, maybe a a month or two was a long time, mm-hmm. you know, without at least doing one or two shows where you're flying out and flying home. So that was a significant change for us. It was kind of an existential year of kind of looking at um, how much identity you draw out of you know what you do for a living and disentangling from that a bit and then coming back to it with a more healthy perspective. I'm glad you mentioned identity because that was actually in my notes is um, I've always been curious how you reconcile celebrity persona with authentic life. You know, um, you get so much adulation everywhere you go, certainly when you're touring and that's why people are there is to see you Yeah. that how could it not go to your head? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then, how do, you, how do you downshift when you get home and it's like kids just need what they need regardless of who you are? Yeah. Um, what's that process like or how challenging is that? Well, you nailed it in that touring is so far removed from real life because all of your encounters are kind of it's, – it's not reality, right? It's, even the people that you run into um, on, on the street outside the venue yeah. – they're pr- a lot of times they're there because of the show, and so you get this kind of um, uh, warped sense that everyone knows who your band is, <laughs> you know, and everyone knows your name, which is certainly not the case. You know, I can walk around our hometown here and not get recognized ever, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, so that's not reality, but it becomes this w- weird reality on tour, and to kind of disentangle from that when you get home and... Um, have people that speak truth like your kids that <laughs> will humble you yeah. and make fun of you and that's good for you and, and having a brother in the band and um, we're, we're kind of all brothers at this point but people that that kind of know who you actually are and um and will treat you like that is is really important i think it's probably hard to even know who you are at a certain point like if you're so absorbed in your career or or just even your passion you forget, you know, you're just kind of looking at something under a microscope and you forget kind of where your moral compass is even, which is kind of why I was asking that earlier question. It's got to be instilled somewhere deeper than just, um, it's got to be instilled from your parents and your community and, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, we talked about my parents earlier. My dad pulled my brother and I aside very early on, um, probably back when we were kind of getting 
um, some critical reviews. It wasn't like all okay. positive. It was you know positive and negative. And he said, "Don't believe the hype, whether it's good or bad." And uh, and I I think I understood it more from like oh like shake it off if someone doesn't get it. But later on, I realized the profoundness of the other side of it. That yeah, just because people are saying they love your band, don't believe it. You know, mm, like that's fascinating. You just uh, plot a true course and stick to it. Yeah, if you know that your compass is calibrated accurately, you just follow it, regardless of what happens. Yeah, and that's what the fans want, anyways. That's why they fell in love with it in the first place was because you were doing something authentic. Yeah, and from an artistic perspective, that's so important, right? Totally. To um, to not be influenced by second guessing what someone else is going to like. That's the worst way to make art. Completely. You have to make art that you believe in. And yeah, you hope someone else digs it, but you can't be second guessing that. You have to know what you like and what you don't like and go from there. Being in the entertainment industry, you see a lot of casualties. You do, yeah. yeah. You see a lot of really incredible people that get really lonely, that get really wrapped up in the hype, um, you know. There's a lot of different ways to trip over yourself. And I do think it would be harder if I wasn't surrounded by a group. If I was a solo artist of some sort, out doing my own thing, on the road, away from home, away from family connection, that that seems like a more difficult uh, way to do it. For us, man, I'm just so grateful for the brotherhood. You know, like Tim said, I mean, we have become family over 20 years. You know, and and yeah, I think we've generally found our way, but we're not perfect. And right. there's definitely been moments where we've had to hold each other up through thick and thin. And I think that's really unique, and I think it's really... Um, it's humbling too, knowing that, knowing sort of my tendency as an individual, I don't know that I'd be able to handle all that without the brotherhood and the support of a, of a crew of guys that you're really connected to. And, and also our wives. I mean, I think about the, the people we married, you know, these, these women that are so independent and strong and while we're at, away from home are so supportive and believe in what we're doing and, and the value of it and seeing you know the, the good regardless of, of the moments when it's difficult to be away from home but but making the best of it and, and working it out and creating a life that's that's thriving yeah yeah it's accountability partners is what it is you know people who will hold you accountable to be who you want to be basically to be the best version of yourself yeah. and have a group that's kind of tight knit that everybody's has the same worldview and a shared interest. Yeah. And again, it protects the art. Like that conversation applies to the band and I, it's reminiscent or reflective of North County, San Diego and surf culture mm -hmm. kind of has that mm -hmm. um, community takes yeah. a village to raise a child. We're all on the Absolutely. same page here. Mm -hmm. But again, it all protects the art. It basically just allows you to keep that moral compass true to make sure that you're making the authentic mm -hmm. art. You know, mm -hmm. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. 
your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. Which, 20 years is a long time. There's not a lot of bands make it 20 years, and especially bands with brothers. Yeah. The brothers end up hating each other. Yeah. I think time. that's the, yeah, that is the most remarkable thing, is that we all still like each other. It's shocking. Actually. It is shocking, Yeah. I think we like each other more now than than we used to. You know, like the, you 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 go through, you carry each other through so many heavy things. I mean, twenty years, um, and so I think those highs and lows they can either break a band apart or they can glue a band together. And really thankful that it's done the latter. Yeah. Well, bravo. So you guys are responsible for it. So, um, kind of detouring, mm-hmm. Chad. Do you shape surfboards? I saw you in a shaping bay on Instagram. Was it just for the Instagram I've made a couple in my life, and they are not great. Okay. But my brother is a sort of backyard shaper in Lucadia. He's got a little shaping room, and every every once in a while when I get the bug, I'll go over there and mow some foam. My most recent board I made was a foil board uh, during during the last year while we were at home. That was something I took up, uh, was foiling and, and trying to learn with John and Tim and uh, struggling to start over on a new sport. Talk about another controversial topic. <laughs> Definitely. Well, the good news about shaping a foil board is mm-hmm. the actual platform really doesn't matter. You, yep. you, as a shaper, you could botch it completely. Anything works. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Block of foam just to paddle on. Totally. Last year was the year of the foil. I mean, we had no waves. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, it was the worst winter I've ever uh, remembered. And mm. so... We were surfing every day because we had foils and we were just looking for the crappiest wave we could find and having a blast. So are you guys advocates? I think it's got a place, just not near crowds. Yeah. We we would we would be surfing waves that no one would ever want to surf, you know. Um, I was just recently in Kauai uh, out at Hanalei Bay on kind of a bigger day um, showing my son the ropes out there. We just kind of were paddling around and Laird and all the boys were out on stand-up foils and the stuff they were doing is next level. Really? Was, yeah, I mean, 
you know, love it or hate it, that you have to at least respect the level of uh, risk involved. Because that is a that's a broad sword attached to the bottom of your board. Mm-hmm. Um, what were they doing that was so uh, different than what we've seen? Well, like like we were talking about, we're looking for just crappy, mushy waves. Like when the waves are good here, we're surfing. We're not foiling. Right. Um, these were proper, well overhead waves, um, really hollow, and they're in the pit. No way. Yeah. Yeah, like just crazy stuff that just seems so dangerous, but in full control. You know, they've, right. they've really got it dialed. It looks like a ton of fun. I have not given it a shot yet just because I don't have access to a foil probably. I mean, I could probably I got dig. one for you. I was going to say, I could probably <laughs> dig one up if I really asked around. When we started doing it, there was no one around here doing it. Oh. And so we were just kind of like guessing. Like, I think you do this. I don't know. And um, I ended up with eight staples in the back of my head. So <laughs> I, I think we're a lot. We know how to stay safe on them now, but we had no idea when we started. What happened with that incident? Um, I just paddled for like an actual wave, you know, that um, and got pitched. And the foil came over in the lip and just cracked me. Wow. Yeah. And it didn't even feel like it hit me that hard, and it totally split my head open. Just because so. it's so sharp? Yeah. Yeah. And it's heavy, you know, so. I was in on Maui um, like a month ago, and I was paddling. There was a couple of guys on foils in the lineup, and I was paddling out, and a guy was just pumping. And in a split second, the thing flipped over completely, and he fell right next to the foil and the board itself. He didn't actually hit it, but he just fell. I mean, it was unbelievable how fast it was upside down while he was still four feet in the air he could have easily fallen right on it and then he came up from the wipeout and looked at me and he's like that went south quickly (laughs) and i was mortified i'm like oh my god i almost just witnessed a potential decapitation it's sketchy it's so sketchy but it looks so fun yeah yeah Yeah. if you get the right swell you know and it's really high tide yeah kind of just riding the open swell you know you find a little peak somewhere that just backs off and then you can just ride that for 400 yards right super fun looks exhausting too yeah it's a a good workout i mean i'm still i'm so old school i like i love surfing so if there's a wave i'd much rather be riding my shortboard right but it's a good you know you got to have your options like i free dive when it's flat i foil if it's just like small and mushy and then you know surfing there's waves so i feel like there's no excuse now you're always in the water mm-hmm. yeah uh what boards are you riding like whose boards do you have any shapers that you particularly work with or fond of or man i've had this board uh for i want to say six years uh it's a channel islands neck beard yeah and every time i see rob machado he just laughs at me that I'm still riding the same board, <laughs> but I just love that thing. And now they, they reissued it this yeah. year, and so I see a bunch of guys riding them now. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm not crazy. This board works. It's a modern version of it, I think. It's like a 2.0. Yeah. It's like shorter, I think, right? Is shorter it? and wider. Yeah. Um, you're riding the exact same one, or you've got those versions? No way. Well, it, I kind of keep it on ice for, okay. you know, I don't, I don't ride it every day, but that is my favorite board if I had to pick one. Is that... That's what you were writing in that documentary, right? Yeah. Fading West. Yeah, that's right. I, that's when I got it. Yeah. We were, we were traveling around filming for that and uh, wrote it down in New Zealand and a couple places and just loved it. Yeah. But yeah, it works in, in all conditions. Good for you. What are you writing? Uh, I've been mostly writing CIs since I was a Grom. So 
Fred Rubble and Fred Stubble are like my two go-tos. Nice. You guys are on the full CI program. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But today I was riding a a 6.5 Marlin. Marlin's a local shaper that I grew up uh, riding his stuff. And you don't often get to break out the uh, the step up around here so it was nice to have actual waves and be like oh all right there's actual cobwebs on my step up that i had to <laughs> brush off it's been in the rafters yeah i mean i didn't ride it for the last like two or three years so is it a thruster yeah it's like a, okay yeah nice yeah i saw a decent collection of surfboards up in the rafters up there there's got a, few. a bit of diversity it's not all just channel islands right performance thrusters no actually john shaped a few of those um uh, down at the uh, Shaper Studio. Oh, okay. Yeah. He, he's really into shaping ASIMs. And, yeah, I saw um, a Donald Brink ASIM up there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah that one's that one's pretty sick. Um, I think his. his he, well, I don't know if he's being humble or not because I think he's a pretty good shaper. But uh, John, um, but he says he only shapes ASIMs because if you try to not shape an ASIM, it becomes an ASIM on accident. It's way better to shape <laughs> an ASIM on purpose. Make it intentional. Yeah. Yeah. Pat Curran has a quote where he said nobody's ever shaped a symmetrical surfboard so there's no point in even trying the weird thing is that they surf surprisingly normal totally you know you get it under your feet and you're like oh what's asymmetrical about it i'm not sure yeah i've i'm a huge fan of it like the theory makes a lot of sense like nothing is ever symmetrical once you're standing up like your foot isn't symmetrical you Mm -hmm. can push with your heels your toes can actually push and pull. Yep. You know, and you've got one rail in the water the majority of the time. Yeah. The water traverses the surface asymmetrically always. Yep. It's never so it makes a lot of sense. But the confusion is trying to account for all those variables, thinking that as a designer, you can account for all those variables right. and design a better solution yeah. is also futile. Yeah. You know? So but the theory I'm with. Yep, for sure. Um, Tell me, what is the Switchfoot Bro-Am? Man, that's been our favorite day of the year for the last 15 years. Started off as just a small surf contest down at D Street in Encinitas, um, trying to raise money for a local homeless shelter. And it's since become a a music festival and a surf contest still, uh, with about 18,000 people on the beach down at Moonlight. And to move to a bigger beach? Well, it sort of took over. It spans between Moonlight and D Street. Got it. Kind of a big chunk of the beach there. And it raises money for uh, local youth charities here in San Diego, um, about five or six different uh, organizations that are helping kids. And, hmm. and we love it. And the, the whole community has gotten behind it. It's become a, an annual event. People fly in from all over the world. And, yeah, we're, we're honored to, to have a small part in that. Yeah, it's amazing. How do you pick the charities? What was the initial kind of... Yeah, I mean, the common theme is that they're all helping kids thrive in various ways. So meeting different needs, right? So there's shelter, um, clothes, food, art education. um, And these are charities that we've vetted, you know, over the last uh, 14 years now. And uh, there's a lot of worthy causes out there, but trying to find the charities that meet kids' needs, basic needs, the best in our local community has been kind of the guiding compass in that. It's amazing to see how big it's grown, the event. Yeah, it's it, it really is. Um, 
Yeah, it, I mean, it's the kind of thing that if we had really known what we were starting when we started it, we yeah. would have thought that it would never work. Right. You know, it's uh, a lot of times um, naivety is the it's the only way that things start you know totally <laughs> and and the, the city loves it because of all the good that it's doing within the community you yeah. know and Encinitas is not a city that really wants to be on the map you know so the idea of having 18,000 people on the beach isn't necessarily anyone's goal right but um I'm just so blown away that it's not only become bigger but it's continues to become better because those two don't always go hand in hand and I think it really is just a big uh, testament to how great the community is that we live in. You know, it's not really our event anymore. It's the community's event. Yeah, completely agree. If you would have pitched to the city of Encinitas a music festival, they would have shut it down from the get-go. But <laughs> right. because it grew organically the way that it did, and you see the immediate benefit of it. Yeah, and and they work as hard on the event as anyone. You really? know, everyone from city officials, local law enforcement, lifeguards, everyone's involved. You know, it's a big community undertaking. Yeah, I'm curious um, to know. This is kind of a question for everybody interviewed, but what surf media do you guys follow at this point? So, I mean, surf media has changed obviously so much. When we were growing up, obviously you had three magazines at the mm-hmm. most yeah. at any given time. Um, and then one or two films a year that you would spend thirty bucks on to buy the VHS version of, and that was it. So, where do you where do you get your media now? Yeah, I, I think Inertia is great. Um, Surfline, um, Surfer's Journal. Yeah, that's you know an art piece. Each uh, time you see an issue there, it's it's a book. Yeah, I, I love that. That it's still a hard copy. I love paper. I love seeing printed photos. Um, you know, as as much as the digital version of of everything is is great and easy, and you can watch it on your iPad and all that, but I, I'm still a sucker for an old Surf Mag. So, do you pay for the subscription? Is the question? It's just Surfer's Journal. You do though. Yeah. You pay for it. Yeah. Okay, good. Because that's the only way that it sticks around. Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Like so many of us just get it for free, and it's like, oh yeah, I love it. But if you're not supporting it, yeah. right, it goes. Away. <laughs> and that that is so the surf world, right? Yeah, Everyone kind totally. of has a buddy. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I'm with Chad. I that's the only print mag that I still get. Good. Um, I think my mom gets it for me every year. That's like the Christmas gift. It's a great <laughs> gift to give. For it everybody is. listening. Yeah. It's a great gift to give. Hundred percent. And I do pay for Surfline. I yep, love that. You know, probably mostly for the cameras. Mm. You know, being able to check it on your phone is so helpful. It probably has made spots more crowded now. But as a uh, person with very little time to go check the waves, if I can look real quick and see how it is on two or three spots and make a decision, that helps get me in the water quick. It's a pretty good background viewing thing, too. Uh, We've been rehearsing a lot here for our upcoming tour. And I've had the pipe cam on many, many of those those rehearsals, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of in the background as we're rehearsing, glancing over. Yeah. That's kind of the, the cam to watch because it's so totally. close. Mm-hmm. I, I mainly use it for cam viewing as well. Like over the years, sometimes I'll, 10 years ago maybe, went there to like look at surf videos. Like sure. whatever the latest Vimeo video mm-hmm. was going to be on Surfline and even articles, but I don't yeah. really utilize it for those things anymore. It seems right. like the cams is really all I care yeah, about. Yeah, cams and the forecast. Yeah, yeah, interesting. Um, what music are you guys listening to? 
Wow. New John Bellion stuff, I think, is really compelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, last night I was listening to Leon Bridges. Yeah, I'm a fan. Kind of the throwback soul, you know, sort of Motown reminiscent. Very cool. In terms of supporting the things that you want to see thrive, how do you support that type of music? Do you buy albums? Do you listen on Spotify? What does that look like? I am a Spotify fan. Yeah. Yeah, my whole family's on it, family plan, and, and everybody's got their playlists and, you know, keep discovering music that way. Um, I, I love that aspect of it, the discovery. And even uh, yesterday I was looking through their recommended playlist for me based on my personal listening habits during the year, and I, I just think that's really cool. Kind of a It's a shockingly curated, accurate, too. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually enjoyed a lot of the songs that yeah. they recommended. Yeah, um, I, you know, there's been a lot of uh, news about how Spotify isn't beneficial for artists, um, and and I guess maybe that that's somewhat true. But I think the reality is that most of us artists haven't made money selling CDs either. You know, it, it's touring, and if you really want to support a band, go see them live. You know, buy a T-shirt, um, buy something off their website, but. I'm a fan of the Spotify streaming model, you know, where we don't really want to... I I love vinyl, and I do have a big vinyl collection, and that's one thing. But when I want to just listen to music wherever I'm at, I think Spotify or that model is the most convenient thing out there. I mean, you could argue that it has hurt the business or it's it's bastardized CD sales or vinyl sales or whatever, but yeah, I agree with you. That was all going to happen anyways. The the actually making it as convenient as it's made it, I feel like has revitalized my interest in music in a lot of ways. Yeah, you know? 100%. I mean, with any changing technology, there's always people that kind of try and uh, fight it and complain about how things used to be, exactly. or you adapt and figure out how to make it work for you. And um, the music industry was dying trying to hold on to the cd so tightly so i think the streaming model is yeah it's absolutely revitalized everything i feel like it also almost propels people into the live experience too like as things become so um not personal and we're viewing everything on the screen and becoming more disconnected from humanity Mm -hmm. we have an innate need to reconnect with humanity Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of like there's a counter resistance against just being alone in your room, having your own curated experience mm-hmm. to going out and doing things communally and being a part of all that energy, you know? Yeah. We've lost so many of those things that used to be once in a lifetime, they happen and then they don't. Yeah. Because like TV used to be that way, right? Yeah. You had to watch it while it happened or it never happened. And, and all of that has gone away. Now everything's on demand. Um, and so live music, you're right. That's, you know, sporting events, live music. These are things that happen in real time while you're there. And uh, I think that makes it very powerful. Totally. I mean, music festivals are way huger than I would have ever expected them to be mm-hmm. if you asked me 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. I'd be like, nobody wants to go stand in lines to use a porta potty and deal with crowds <laughs> yeah. and yeah. camp. And like, that's a nightmare. It's yep. become it's such a, an experience, you know, um, the, the festival culture and the, the diverse 
genres of music represented on multiple stages and being able to you know experience the food and everything you know it's a it's a whole destination now right which which is fun i love it um we just played down at ohana fest uh in dana point and they did a really great job of curating you know um, conversations with artists and and art exhibits and 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 then obviously multiple musical stages and it's like very sensory yeah it's great um i i was going to say though one of the best things about our band is the community of people surrounding us and that has been so rewarding to meet people that have become friends at a switchfoot show that have stayed in touch long distance you know uh traveled to visit other fans and come to shows together and and then sort of they caravan around the country when we're on tour and come to multiple shows and you meet those people and you go wow this is really fostering friendships this is really somehow this music has brought these people together and to me that's that's a really fulfilling thing to see happen yeah i i applaud you guys and i uh I'm a huge fan of your guys' hearts in the right place, and so I'm thrilled to see you guys succeed and continue to thrive and mm. put out good work and all that along the way. So, yeah, thanks. Well done, yeah. Thank you. Yeah, gladly. Um, Native Tongue set for release in literally one month from today. Wow, I love it! Uh, yeah, wow, January eighteenth. Hopefully, the waves will be big that day too. <laughs> <laughs> 11th album um where can where would you recommend people buy it oh man or support it wherever's convenient you know if you if you're set up on amazon and it's a one click if you're on the apple music thing going great if you're a spotify guy you know at this point uh don't make it hard on yourself just go wherever it's easy yeah and come hang out with us on tour where do they find tour dates on our website switchfoot.com perfect thanks guys Thanks Thank for having us. Where the stars are flung, loves the language, loves your native We have links to Native Tongue and that documentary, Fading West, as well as previews of each on surfsplendorpodcast.com. You can support our show through a PayPal link or by supporting our sponsors. You can leave a comment for the band in our comment section, and I will ensure that they see those. And of course, follow the podcast on Instagram at surfsplendor and make sure to share it with friends. Maurice Cole, Derek Hind, and Switchfoot are all possible because of the strength of our audience. We are still working our way to Kelly Slater. Let's make 2019 the year of the Slater interview. We'll get him to announce his official retirement here on the podcast. All right. Thank you, Tim and Chad. John was there too, actually. John Foreman was there milling around, working behind the scenes, uh, busy. So thanks to all of Switchfoot, including Jerome Fontamiles and Drew Shirley. Hugely appreciate you guys sitting down with me. And until next week, this is David Scales for Surf Splendor saying, get back into the ocean, share some waves, and shred them.